All right, welcome back, everyone. Hello from Burbank. Thank you for joining us. It's another episode of Write That Down. I'm Justin Nipper. I'm an editor at Fight Game Media. I write for WrestlingObserver.com. I work for Pro Wrestling Noah and Cyber Fight, and I'm back with Japan's leading pro wrestling author, pro wrestling sociologist, possibly the first ever, Japan's leading pro wrestling historian, broadcast journalist, and so much more, Mr. Fumi Saito. And on this week's episode, this week was a fun episode because we got to talk about the mecca of pro wrestling in Japan. We got to talk about Corken Hall in Tokyo. Every big wrestling show, every big wrestling company puts on their big shows at Corken Hall. Uh, and it's not just a mecca for pro wrestling in Japan, it's also a kind of mecca for boxing in Japan as well. We talked about the history, the different locations or versions of Corken Hall throughout the years. We talked about Fumi's first experience at the venue and so, so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do or did. So, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Podcast feed. It's on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Downcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you subscribe, if you leave a review, all that stuff helps Fight Game Media. And it would be very much appreciated. So, without further ado, let's talk about Corken Hall. Oh, I was fifth grade. <laughs> fifth grade. Okay. Yeah, my about the first. Oh, of course, of course. Um, it was Nippon Pro Wrestling, Japan Pro Wrestling, JWA, and Baba and Inoki still together. Uh, yeah, uh, the main event was uh, Inoki and Michiaki Yoshimura against somebody like Dutch, you know, Dutch Savage and somebody else, and uh, Inoki against. Freddie Blassie, Danny Hodge was working, uh, you know, in the middle. And also the Sakaguchi made run-in, just coming back from Hawaii, all tanned. <laughs> that kind of thing. Ivan Koloff, yeah, yeah, yes. It's, that was a... And also wrestlers, it was walking around after your match, kind of old-fashioned, you know. When the wrestlers, you know, got wrestled, and uh, put a t-shirt on start walking around you know with you know soda pop in your in your hand yeah my very first live card live wrestling of course was at the korakin hall and it was in the same location it is now yeah exact same location exact same place actually i think it looked the same and uh balconies and uh that the, what do you call those um Little like a step-looking thing. Uh, it's a ceiling, but the, oh, the the bleachers. Bleachers are the yes. same, exact same. North, south, east, and west. Yeah. That's when you walk in, and so south, so that. Yeah, when you walk into the building, you are already on the south side. And you face straight up, 
you know, towards, towards, you know, like a straight out, that's your north. And right-hand side is east side, and left-hand side is west side. And actually, <laughs> it's so weird, but it's not even actually pointing north or south or west or east. It came from sumo setting. Mm. See, if you have like a, a compass or something in your hand, that doesn't point north over there. It's a building structure. When you walk in, you're already on south. And uh, your straight forward up there is your north. Right-hand side is east, and left-hand side is west, much like how Sumo Palace was built. So it, it doesn't matter. It's actually not facing north or south, you know, in 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 geographic area, but that the building is such that the north side, south side, west side, and yeah, and also it's actually it's not for re not, just, not just wrestling. It's multi-purpose event hall. That sometimes you know in wrestling, west side, and you know that the. In wrestling setting, you have west side and, and the east side, right? All this, you know, bleacher is going to be up, and they have different setting, like a like a social dance or gymnastics or that uh, volleyball or you know, uh, yeah, or a lot of dance contests in there, and also yeah, it's uh, basically boxing building that uh, if you see the north side is a, there's a little step. Like a black rubber, you know, on your floor. That's actually wrestling ring. I mean, a boxing ring in half, and you can, you know, bring that part into the center, and there goes your boxing ring. So during the wrestling match, some people, are, you know, sitting right on the boxing ring. Did you know that? A little bit. Uh, okay. okay, right. And you also, it's there, a you go there, yeah. You're wrestling. Right up. And an old boxing championship belt on in in the window. Yeah. Oh, and all kinds of posters, all kinds of posters. And actually, Korakuen Hall being used 400 events a year, over 400. Events a year. Well, it's only well, you only have, you only have 365 days, right? Right, twice a day. Yeah, how can you have 400 shows every Saturdays and Sundays? They have noon shows and night shows. Noon shows and night shows. And within the 400 shows, 400 events at Korakuen Hall every year, about 170 to 180 shows are wrestling. Big part. Uh, now they call it uh, the oh oh wrestling is big big part of it, but other things are just as you know important for the building. You know they have all the boxing. You know that the domestic boxing. Oh, they even have world title match at the Korakuen now. But the boxing shows, uh, uh, kickboxing shows, uh, amateur boxing shows. Uh, oh yeah, a lot of other things. <clears throat> like, a... oh, they do that, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. MMA shows, and oh, also like... they used also that the Korakuen Hall, that the same buildings, you know, the same floor, they're used for 
like TV show studio for Shoten and uh, yeah, that kind of like your talk show, like your old Johnny Carson show kind of set, set up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they use that. And so 400 dates are booked out of 350, <laughs> you know, 365 days. So every Saturdays and Sundays, there's like two shows. And so it's always there. And the whole complex, if you remember the you know, JR Suidobashi station? Yes, yes. Yeah, you get off there, you start walking over the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And walk under, the, under this little marquee in sign. Now it says Tokyo Dome City. The whole complex is called Tokyo Dome City. There's a yellow building right hand to you. There's like a bowling alley and 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 the roller skate thing. And and during the winter they used to have ice skate palace too. And left hand side you have the Denny's restaurant, the Seven Elevens, and and the arcade games to bookstore. Oh, they don't have bookstores anymore. But then there's a restaurant. That, the, the bookstore would always was not resting books right in front. Wrestling mm-hmm, magazines, mm-hmm. wrestling books, and there, I believe this has gone to the Ebisu pub. That's still there. Yeah. The, I, believe, uh, I thought I could have. I thought I heard that it closed, but there was. It was right next to it. It was a kind of a restaurant and part of the Ebisu. Uh, Ebisu where bookstore was at, it, it turned into arcade game. Oh, okay, yeah, and there's already yeah, another arcade the- in Tokyo. Yeah, of course, of course. I'll, I'll get to that because mm-hmm. right now Tokyo Dome has uh, you have baseball Tokyo Dome, Tokyo Dome, right? And there's a there's a Prism Hall that for the, that's another multi-purpose you know hall. And there's your um, Tokyo Dome City Hall, like you know that the, the theater that holds like 4,000 people. The people run wrestling there. You know, Inoki's IGF and all that. They run wrestling there, but a smaller theater called Tokyo Dome City Hall. When you say City Hall, it's not where you get your driver's license or anything like that. It's Tokyo, the name's tricky. Tokyo Dome City Hall is the building. And also shopping mall to your amusement park. You know, now they call it Tokyo Dome City Attractions. That's uh, your amusement park. And shopping mall, the food court, the restaurant, the, um, yeah, all, all kinds of things. And Tokyo Dome Hotel, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And the place where you buy horse racing ticket too, you know, That's not right. the actual horse. Yeah, not the actual horse racing, but that they broadcast every single horse race around the country, and you can actually buy the your horse racing ticket right there, uh, with, you know, inside the Tokyo Dome complex. And then you have a building f- and uh, for your, uh, s- you know, restaurants and sauna, you know, you know, like a sauna and spa, and uh, yeah, there's all kinds, all kinds of things in this within. Uh, Tokyo Dome City, they call it. Entire place. The amusement you know, park uh, has been around since 60s. Yeah, let's go back. Okay. Um, it's really confusing sometimes because where Tokyo Dome is at, it used to be, there's a little bit in you know, front of it, but the Koraken Stadium, <clears throat> outdoor baseball stadium before Tokyo Dome. In the home of Giants. Mm-hmm. Koraken Kyujo, 
Korakuen Stadium where 1957 Ricky Dozen against Luthas match, you know, held 30,000 people. Yeah. Then actually this Korakuen Hall that we are talking about today as a Mecca of pro wrestling, this is second location. There was a building called Korakuen Gymnasium, gymnasium, of course, Korakuen Gym. At the corner of uh, Sotobori Dori and Haksan Dori, uh, sounds so foreign to you guys. <laughs> the little, you know, listeners out there, I'm sorry. There was another location called Korakin Gym. That's like east side of the station, across the street. That's where KFC is at right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, you, you see, you know, McDonald's in on one side, and you, you know, walk across the street. There's a there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the original Korakuen Gymnasium, gymnasium was at. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It opened in 1958. Pretty long history, huh? Do you remember early this year, they this Korakuen Hall had 60th year anniversary show? That's right. Early, uh, yeah, early this year. The reason they had the 60th year anniversary was that this Korakuen Gym, the original Korakuen Gym in the corner of Sotobori Dori and Haksan Avenue, oh, okay, Sotobori Avenue and Haksan Avenue where KFC is at right now, that used to be the original Korakuen Gym for boxing, the volleyball, the basketball, the fencing, the dance contest, the fencing, the all these you know the sport arena called Korakuen Gym, and they relocated the place to where we see the, the Korakuen Hall now in 1962. But uh, rest, none of the wrestling company had wrestling match, the wrestling show at this Korakuen Hall until 1966. November 25th of 1966, to be exact. Japan, uh, Nippon Pro Wrestling, JWA. The building existed since 1962, okay? Korakuen Hall, as it is today. Same building, oh, they remodeled and repainted and all these things. And, you know, this Korakuen building used to be blue building. See, you see, you walk over the bridge and go go under the uh, the marquee and you see yellow building right-hand side for roller skate and other things, bowling alley and all. Over the bridge, you see that the blue building that's where Korakuen Hall is at. Now it's painted again for brown or something, but we used to call it Blue Building. For a long time, the first floor was Korakuen Cinema, movie theater. Yeah, that uh, not the latest movie, but uh, if you remember, you have to be old to know this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, they Didn't they used to have like a double feature for semi-new film like uh, six months later? Sure. Yeah, there would be the double yeah. see two movies. Two movies, yeah, it's like a Jaws and Exorcist together. <laughs> sure, know? sure. Yeah, something like that. You know, like a Star Wars and Towering Inferno together or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were doing this, uh, the, the first floor of Korakuen Hall today. Now they have with the TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Right, yep. Yeah. Fridays. That, yeah, t- that's the first floor, right? That's where Korakuen Cinema was at. Until oh. I was in high school. Yeah, like until like 81, 82. You know, I used to go there just to sit, you know, and then kill time for a couple hours, you know, to watch semi-old movies, you know. But it's the perfect time to do so. 
people don't go to you know movies that way anymore. You know, it's all cinema complex that、uh, you have to buy ticket on on in on on the internet and、uh, you know where you are sitting and all that. But the, there was like a second run, rest, you know, movie theaters right way back when that they had the Korakuen Cinema. Then there's up upstairs was another bowling alley, like sixty two lanes and、uh, billiard, you know, like a playing pool. On the entire floor is a playing playing pool thing. And then there was a sauna. If you remember Korakuen Hall, you go into the elevator, elevator and push five, right? Of course, fifth floor. Korakuen Hall、yeah. is on the fifth and, floor. This. Yeah, but actually that starts like a third, fourth, and fifth. Of the mm. building, mm. yeah, but the structure is such that、uh, your audience will have to go all the way up to fifth floor to get in the front. But the building, like a part of third floor and fourth floor and sixth floor, that's Korakuen Hall. Yeah, no, but it's because it's a, you know, it's, it's arena that holds seventeen hundred people. Seventeen hundred people doesn't sound that big, but when you go to Korakuen. It's a, it looks like a perfect size for wrestling, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I've heard that the capacity is seventeen hundred, but there, I, I've heard both sides of the stories. I've heard that, I've heard when companies reported a sellout, but they only had thirteen, fourteen hundred people, and I've heard yeah, of yeah. shows having more than two thousand people packed in. Oh, when I when I was kid, they used to announce three thousand people. There's no way because that's not possible. No, that's not possible. And the number, you know, they tell fire marshal is sometimes fifteen hundred capacity. <laughs> so it varies. But the, the person who actually had the seating, like you know, to sell tickets and whole, you know, the layout of it, that seventeen hundred is about the you know right number. That sounds. Yeah, that's, but that's when it's packed, packed that's packed house. Yeah. Anyhow, that.、Uh, This Korakuen Hall、uh, relocated from the original Korakuen Gym, from that the corner of Sotobori Avenue and Haksan Avenue into this complex. That、uh, it was 1964, April of 1962. I'm sorry, 1962. The reason they did not have any wrestling until 1966, like four years later, there was another place in Tokyo called Ricky Palace. Ricky Dozan had his own wrestling place. Remember,、mm -hmm. in Shibuya. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time, Ricky Palace, Ricky Dozan's dream arena for wrestling and restaurant and dojo and in the sauna and、uh, spa and whole you know theater thing like a round you know dome shaped building. It was in Shibuya, no longer there. But it was Ricky Palace that it was a center of professional wrestling. Okay. Was that the venue that he had? He had it built from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures of him walking around the site when it was being built. You ever see? Yeah,、those? yeah. It took yeah. like a three years in making, and it was、uh, first type of, of its kind. And Ricky Dozen designed Ricky Palace after、um, Civic Auditorium in Honolulu or something like that.、Mm. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, that、uh, to make long story short, but it's all, all, our stories are always long. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ricky Dozen opened Ricky Palace in 1961. Okay. 
and uh, he passed away in December December '63, right? Right. So they actually used Ricky Palace for about three years, and it went bankrupt in 1966. And when Ricky Dozon was around, business was good, and just as soon as he passed, that the it was run by you know your Yoshino Sato, the Tayo Nobori, the Kokichi Endo, and Michiaki Yoshimura, the four wrestlers, direct protege of Ricky Dozens, four guys. Kokichi Endo came from judo background. Tayo Nobori and Yoshino Sato came from, I mean, direct protege of Ricky Dozen, came from sumo and professional wrestling. And Michiaki Yoshimura from college sumo. Uh, from Osaka, but the, those four guys were like a direct guys underneath Ricky Dozen. They took over the business right, you know, right after he uh, Ricky Dozen passed away. But three years later, in 1966, that they couldn't afford the building anymore, they sold it. Yeah. So now that that's, that that building, you know, remained the same until like till mid 70s as a uh, Empire, some em, Empire. The arena, so something like that, and uh, that existed, but the no, no, no more Ricky Palace. It, it went down. It's 1966. That's when they moved the wrestling to Korakuen Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 66. 66. 66. And they, oh God, it's such a monopoly mentality, mindset kind of thing. New that Japan pro wrestling, Nippon pro wrestling. Blocked everybody from using it, using Korakuen Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the international IWE, other uh, or all Japan women that already existed, that they couldn't use it for a long time. Mm-hmm. The reason that the New Japan had its, you know, very opening match at the Ota Gymnasium in March of '73, you know, that the very first. Show of New Japan, Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling, March of 1973. You would think you you have your first you know first show at the Korakuen, right? Sure. Yeah, but New Japan was blocked by you know Japan Pro Wrestling. They couldn't use Korakuen, so they went to Ota Gymnasium. You know, it's still in Tokyo, but the, if you remember that it was Inoki's against Korogach, it was still packed, but. The, the very first New Japan card at the Korakuen don't happen until like July of 73. And all Japan women's very first ma- uh, card was also um, uh, summer of 1973. You know why? Spring of 1973, Japan Pro Wrestling, JWA, Nippon Pro Wrestling finally went down. I mean, for good. Yeah, for good. So it's always kind of political, huh? Because this is Suidobashi and right next to your Korakuen Stadium, the home of you know, Yomiuri Giants and the whole complex is like you are having, you know, wrestling cars right in the middle of your, I don't know, Disneyland or, you know, something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I guess or Universal are... Studio. To some uh, parallels, I guess, if you wanted to think about the uh, Western wrestling history, WWF had Madison Square Garden and CMLL. Yeah, exclusive had for decades Arena, and decades. Mexico, um, 
that's that's the style isn't it that was the style of promoting that a lot of these yeah but that's uh, that's uh, that's so against free enterprise though (laughs) that's well of course but uh on one hand uh, it becomes protecting your own business yeah i mean it becomes a completely like you said we go on for a long time and that's the discussion we could have for for a long long time because it is and it isn't it's it's unfair but some would argue that it's also a form of or or a strategy that's a practicing free enterprise but that was the way wrestling kind of was uh you had to work the world all over the world not just in japan all over the world states uh the promoters would have to you would see a lot more of them get their own space yeah, but it's not amazing that New Japan in Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling couldn't use Korakuen Hall until '73, hmm. summer of '73. Uh, as popular as All Japan Women's were in early '70s already, with you know Beauty Pair, the Mahafumiake, and all these Channel Eight exposure, singing and dancing and selling March. You know, before men's wrestling were doing, they that the All Japan Women couldn't come in in Korakuen Hall until summer of '73. But mm-hmm. mysteriously, though, Giant Baba's Old Japan was using Korakuen Hall like in, in November of 72, while Japan Nippon Pro Wrestling was still around. In last leg, though, but uh, Giant Baba was also a kind of promoter who could maneuver things that way. History can tell you a lot, huh? You see how everything was laid out, and you see how little some things change. Yeah. And yeah. you can understand a lot more without having to, to read a lot. If you just sit, think, and look at what happened. And Corkin is a great spot to start that strategy. Yeah, as an example, huh? Because so. it's such a mecca that the center of wrestling industry, huh, in Tokyo. Still very much is. Yeah, well, of, of course, Budokan's great. You know, 16,000 people, you know, where Beatles played. That uh, Sumo Palace, always great place, you know. That that's the nicest looking arena for sumo and wrestling, and yeah, but the Korakuen is is like the center of your whole industry. Smaller building, but you go over there, get off the train, get off the subway, and walk over the bridge, and you know, or enjoy the night of wrestling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the place you go. Yeah, it was a special and, uh, place too, even though it's not big, like you said. But you brought up Budokan, you brought up Sumo Palace. Those places are like for the big show. Yeah, good for the big shows. But when it comes to pro wrestling, when I think of Budokan, I think of Cheap Trick or I think of kids. (laughs) Deep Purple or some. Or Asi (laughs) Asbon. When I was living in Japan, when I I never been to Budokan. I know it's in the Kudansta area, but it would be one of the main places that high school and college graduates would, they would have their graduation. Sure, commencement. Yep, yep. It, it, it was, it's always, uh, Budokan's always being used. Sumo Palace is, it's a sumo hall for sumo. And yeah, it's the home of sumo. So yes. I think Korakuen Hall is extra special when it comes to pro wrestling because it is the mecca for pro wrestling. And I think there's also sure. an argument for boxing as well, but they've been able to maintain and share the space uh, and have sure. their own histories. But I think that's a, one of the reasons why it is so special is that. And also, right after, you know, uh, off your. The JR train, Suidobashi station, you walk just two minutes to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and walking over that bridge, you feeling like you're watching wrestling tonight, huh? Mm-hmm. If you get <laughs> yeah, lost, yeah. you can ask anybody on the street. Everyone oh, anybody. Knows who it is. You could tell these guys are going wrestling show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, well, not because they're wearing wrestling t-shirts or something like that, but yeah. What I also like about the Suidobashi area is that it really is a kind of a fight sport area of Tokyo, because not only is Tokyo Dome and Korka in there, but there's so many martial arts shops and stores in the area. There were merchandise mm-hmm. stores. And the home Kodo, Judo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, New and Japan had their merchandise uh, building there. Sure. I don't know if it's still there. Um, yeah, still there. Yes, yes. Todokan, yes. the famous, it used, used to be in Suidobashi. It moved. But... Suidobashi, yeah, right off the train. Yeah, right off the gate, right over there. And also, it's not exactly the most expensive area. It's not your Beverly Hills, that uh, Izakaya Bar and Grill, that uh, relatively, relatively inexpensive, reasonable bars and restaurants, huh? Mm hmm. Shitamachi. Yeah. Should we should we teach yeah. that word? That's a, like a, like a <laughs> yeah. downtown area. It's a very um like it's not what you think of. Yeah. But it's not Ginza. It's not Shibuya. Oh god, Ginza is so expensive like oh Louis gosh, Vuitton yeah. store. <laughs> Ginza's like Times yeah. Square or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then all sightseeing people, you know, and then uh, you walk into Gucci store and buy what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But the Suidobashi is so down to earth. Every single fast food there, right? Mm-hmm. Your McDonald's to KFC to your ramen house to everything, you know? And a lot of coffee shops to sit and, and, and talk to your friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very friendly area, right? Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, if you... Uh, God, we must sound old, but uh, <laughs> when we grew up, there's a lot of, lot of bowling alley, you know, in town. You see a gigantic bowling pin standing in top of the building, and you can see that's a bowling alley, right? Actually, can I tell you a story? Yeah. One of the first dates that I went on with my wife was at the bowling alley. Bowling? Okay. In very Korokuen, good. Because when we started dating, okay. I didn't know where else to go. <laughs> So of course so I you t- went to bowling because I knew Corkin <laughs> area. That's the All only right, area I, I mean. Do arcade games, sure. Bowling alley, and we would play the zombie shooting game, or roller skate or something with your my Sharona music or something. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't do that, but we were pr- pretty yeah. tuckered out by the bowling that day. But this was a long time ago. But yes, and do you, you have you lots of have dinner. There's a Denny's restaurants right there, right there, right. Yep, or the yeah. Denny's was, I went there once before one of the morning shows, like a Sunday show. You go at like 11, okay. the show starts at 12. But it's a diff- yeah. It's different than a, a U.S. Denny's. It's got its own Japanese specialties, like omurice. Yeah, but the idea is the same. You know, you can yeah. stay there for a long time. You know, keep yeah. drinking your coffee. Keep refilling your co- you know, coffee, not ordering another thing. <laughs> and these yeah. days, if you are a regular at Korokan show, you realize that there are lots of places that are conducive to this post event behavior where you want to go somewhere with your friends and stay for a long time so it's talk about wrestling show talk about wrestling these days a lot of these restaurants especially the chains have the tablet they just leave at the table and you just order what you want when you order from there yeah and Depending on if it's a big show, if you go to like, you know, uh, uh, Wrestle Kingdom or something, and then you go to a, a 
restaurant afterwards. Every other table, you're going to hear discussions about the matches you just saw. Yeah, the, the wrestling you just watched. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it happens at the, the Tokyo Dome Tokyo Dome Hotel second floor, like a Sizzler restaurant now, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a Korakuen. They still have bowling alley. They still have roller skate. They still have the, the arcade games and 7-Elevens you can go to. And uh, yeah, let's talk about wrestling. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, and, people people okay. do got to realize how how crazy and hectic uh, Tokyo Dome City can get, and it's not about yeah, the wrestling. The whole, the, the, not the, the Tokyo Dome is big. It's for the you know NBC and the Nippon Professional Baseball, MPB Baseball, the home of Giants, mm. and there's the Prism Hall, and there's a Tokyo Dome Hotel. All the wrestlers stay. Yeah, isn't there's and, a lot of uh, baseball? Um, a baseball, I guess related shops and restaurants oh of course because uh, there's a baseball museum within that complex. right right yeah baseball museum yeah and there's another museum you know and also there's a what do you call it a planetarium thing theater okay yeah right right oh and yeah. there's a, a thunder dolphin thunder dolphin the yeah. big uh, roller coaster of course, Tokyo, they used to used to call it Korakuen UNG Amusement Park, but now they call it Tokyo Dome City Attractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the Michael Jackson rented the entire place for himself and his people one night, and wow. they just enjoyed the ride. I mean, all to himself, once upon a time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but the, that's the, the, the whole area, the whole Suidobashi, Tokyo Dome City area is very much fun place that you can stay all day. After or before wrestling, huh? Well, again, another story, but making me sound old too. When I lived there, when I, w- I would have one day off when I worked in Japan, I usually worked six days a week. So I'd have one day off. And if I didn't have any plan or anything to do, nowhere to go, I'd often go to Suidobashi. Suidobashi yeah. just to hang out? Just because, <laughs> just to, to absorb the, the energy from, from Tokyo Dome City Hall and Gorkun Hall. You know, you, there's like a 7 Eleven or like a, like a Starbucks right right down in front near the sure, station sure or the excelsior cafe that mm-hmm. just like uh starbucks mm-hmm. Is but other, no wi-fi oh, excelsior never had wi-fi so oh, okay okay <laughs> that's a that's very different, new different different feature. ramen houses yeah uh, soba great soba ramen yeah. um, and now that tokyo dome has this great looking food court inexpensive food court okay. right in there yeah 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 but we gotta talk about wrestling. Um, Korakuen Hall is. What did that uh, Vince McMahon Senior say about Madison Square Garden? What goes in Madison Square Garden goes in wrestling. Is that it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the same could be applied to Korakuen Hall. Mm. For instance, legendary Abdullah the Butcher had his first match in Japan at Korakuen Hall in 1970. His debut match was at Korakuen. Abdullah the Butcher. 1971, Mill Maskers. His debut match in Japan was at Korakuen Hall. 1979, Bruiser Brody's very first match was at Korakuen Hall. Isn't that interesting? It's the, the night, starting point for a lot of yeah, yeah. famous talent. Uh, and the, the night that the Jan Baba and Dick Baya, the Destroyer, made his first, that the, made a tag team for the first time. But way back in what the 72 73 that was Korakuen Hall also in 79 there was Harley race against Abdullah the Butcher NWA title match 
that was at the Korakel. Yeah. And later on, okay, Great Cup, 1983. Fast forward a little bit, uh, still old time, but the 83, Great Kabuki debuted at the Korakel Hall. See, he was not Great Kabuki in Japan, and he went to, you know, America and became Great Kabuki in Dallas, right? And then he became, you know, grew his hair long and just became another person. And he became the great Kabuki. And he returned to Japan. He made debut at Korokan Hall. Useless trivia, but uh, the opponent was J.J. Dillon as a wrestler. Mm, that's good trivia. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And also, New Japan had a lot, you know, that uh, when Ricky Choshu turned on Fujinami, then a <clears throat> little bit later on, Ricky Choshu, you know, forming his own faction, Ishingun and, uh, you know, all the Ricky Choshu guys, Japanese heel, right? That was, that was uh, October of 1982. The six-man tag team, Inoki, Fujinami, Ricky Choshu, against, against Abdur the Butcher, Bad News Allen, and S.G. Jones. Six-man tag team. Once again, Inoki, Fujinami, Choshu, one side. The other side, Abdur the Butcher, Special Delibility Jones and Bad News Allen, right? Then during the match, Choshu turned on Fujinami and no going back. That's the birth of, you know, to, you know long hair Ricky Choshu. Big moment, moment, big moment, Korakuen. Uh, there's so many famous pictures. They had that to moment. do it at the Korakuen. It's always televised, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, and then during the same period, you know, that uh, it wasn't even taped for television, but the uh, interesting match like Nobuhiko Takada against Bret Hart happened that, at the building. Hmm. I mean, both young guys, right? Right, yeah. But can you imagine Nobuhiko Takada against Bret Hart when nobody was noticing anything? <laughs> I mean, both yeah. of these guys are famous. Who will go um... on and become one of the biggest stars, you know, like 10 years later, you hmm. know? Yeah, and something like uh, Mitsuharu Misawa against Atsushi Onito single match mm. at Korakan. Sure. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And the open tag before, you know, the, the real tag team tournament, the opening night, 77, the Abdur the Butcher attacks Terry Funk and cut his arm. Ah, yep, yep. Yeah, famous, right? Yep. That's at the Korakan, yeah. And yeah. a lot of the uh, famous uh, real-world tag matches with the Sheik and Abdul the Butcher chasing everybody through oh, the venue. The, and also, a lot of the champion carnivals and the real tag team tournament opens at the Korakan, so they do the big fight. Right? Sure. Big matches yeah. on the first day. And also, people like Sheik, Abdul the Butcher, Stan Hansen, Bruce Brody, they all walk around into the crowd. So you, you get chased, you know, there's a childhood memory that I got chased by Abby. Oh, my gosh. You know, and that's at Gora Korake. And also West Side sign, do you know, that the big says Nishi mm. on, with kanji, with this, you know, like a metal, you know, little plate that the, they, they, they fight outside the ring and go into the West sign and pound head on, you know, onto that. You know, and then the, the, the Abdul the Butcher's blood stay on the West Side, you know, sign. Mm -hmm. This is almost <laughs> like uh, it's almost like you have to kiss the Blarney Stone and touch that. It's a, it's in the yeah. bleacher area, right? It's a, it's on the yeah, West it says Side. West. 
um <laughs> bleacher area but not the ma- the main bleacher area and often yeah, there's a butcher's blood on it yeah there's a brody's blood on it you know and then onita's blood on it and then you know tommy dreamer came and touched the you know plate and yeah i have a great picture yeah. of uh, uh the stardom show when we went to see that a couple of years ago uh you took hazuki. picture in front of that sign hazuki and <laughs> hanakimura yeah yeah hmm. okay very good and also, there was a tag team match, summer of 81, that changed Tenru's career overnight. International tag team title match at some, uh, July of 81. Baba and Jumbo Tura, still international tag team champion. It's, the, the two belts combined a little bit later on in, in late 80s, international tag team title and PWF tag team t- title. They combined and became world tag t- team title. That is still today's All Japan's tag team title. And they're still using the same physical belt from 40 years ago. Yes, very but old. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. Old all leather. the things coming, coming off, yeah. Uh, the Baba Jumbo uh, champion, international tag team champion, against Tenru and Billy Robinson. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Um, overnight, that the Tenru was whole focal point, and he he really, did, you know, did just dominated. Not it's hard to explain, but the, it looked like I was there. Looks like Tenru worked the entire match almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason they had to put this match together was that Dickie Slater got hurt and went home early. Mm-hmm. It was it was going to be originally Billy Robinson and Dick Dick Slater together challenging Baba and Jumbo, but the Dick Slater got hurt and went home early, and they put Tenru in that spot. And there's like a his one night opportunity because he was obviously like a third guy, right? Baba Jumbo Tenru, but the distant third at the time, still wearing purple, you know, purple tights. Right. I was going to ask: uh, Is he wearing the black and yellow yet, or is he wearing no, colors? No, no, yeah. not yet. It's a purple tights, but it worked too because Billy Robinson and and Tenru had matching purple tights that night. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting, you know, and uh, he worked like, you know, like, like a fish in, 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 in fresh fishing on the river or something. It just, he did everything smooth and the people were paying attention to Tenru that night. Mm-hmm. Not anybody else. A little bit of Billy Robinson, but the Jumbo and Baba were on the receiving end. Of course, they defended the title at the end of the night, but uh, it was Tenru people were watching that night. And it's perception is everything, right? Sure. That the people started looking at Tenru as the main event guy. Wow. Didn't know how, you know, he was this good. And that changed, you know, the, the Tenru's career overnight. That was at the Cora game. I needed that. And also, what we cannot forget, that, that the Cora game was a place Maeda kicked Ricky Choshu's face. That's right. Yep. That was at the Cora game. That's 87. Uh, the six-man tag team, Choshu, Ricky Choshu, Masa Saito, and Hiro Saito against UWF, Akira Maeda, Nobuhiko Takada, and Osamu Kido, six-man tag team. During the match, uh, Ricky Choshu putting you know, his you know, signature scorpion uh, on somebody. I can't remember. Uh, could be Kido, could be... Uh, 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 Hiro Saito or maybe Osamu Kido. Uh... Osamu Kido then, because Choshu and Masa Saito and Hiro Saito on Ricky Choshu's side. And Maeda UWF side was Akira Maeda and Nobuhiko Takada and Osamu Kido. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
it had to be Kido then that uh, Ricky Choshi put his signature Scorpion Deathlock on it. Uh, Maeda snuck up from behind and kicked him in the face and it made like a sound. Mm. I mean, it, when you kick somebody, it make funny sound. Like um, you're kicking somebody's bone. It was also a. Uh, it didn't look the same as what wrestling fans were used to. It was a straight shot to his face, unprotected. Oh, okay. And then, got, then he's, you know, that the flesh around his eye it just popped, you know, like really swung right away, you know? So you heard something and you knew it was. Yeah, there. yeah. There's like a. Like that. So how did people react inside the venue? Do they know what was going uh, on? Or? Something, something strange just happened. Yeah, something just something really strange just happened, and um, two minutes, three minutes after that, the match continued. But Ricky Joshi went ahead and clotheslined uh, Taka Takada, and Takada laid there one, two, three right away. Like you, you got to take this home, right? Mm -hmm. And the f then there was a fight, you know, between Ricky Joshi and Maeda, and Maeda punched. I mean, Ricky Joshi punched Maeda in the face too. You know, on April, and you know what was happening. I talked about this in other podcasts, maybe with you. Young Scott Hall was watching from the ramp the entire match. Right. Yeah. He thought it was a big angle. Oh, that was grand, a good angle. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because he witnessed on on the you know the, his the, the previous tour. He witnessed the IWGP tournament final, right? Inoki against Masa Saito. And Inoki beat Masa, of course, to win uh, uh, the, the fifth annual IWGP tournament, uh, 1987. Then that night, the IWGP became the championship belt. Not, not the tournament anymore, but the, the championship to be defended. Then Ricky Choshu come in and challenge old guys, right? And Fujinami joins, Maeda joins. Now you have now leader against new leaders that uh, Inoki, Sakaguchi, Masasaito, Fujiwara on one side, all the guys, and Riki Choshu, Fujinami, Maeda, Kengo, Kimura, Kuniaki, Kobayashi on the younger generation on the other side. Therefore, that the generation battle begins, mm. right? And uh, that was the ang big angle right after the final match in the tournament in the final match and young scott hall witnessed everything and said oh this is one big great angle man and later on became nwo idea mm, that's right you know it, yeah so maeda kicking ricky choshi's face in the ring happened at korake hall we're talking about korake hall tonight if you remember bruiser brody with suit and tie you know, quitting the you know all Japan and showing up the the Korakuen Hall mm -hmm. of New Japan show showed that up. That was also with Inoki in the ring. He was, I think, the yeah, only yeah. time I've seen Brozy Brody wearing a suit and tie. Suit, right, right. That was at the Korakuen Hall, of course. Yeah. How about? Uh, I don't know if this was at Korakuen, but what about the night that uh, Brody left New Japan and Fujinami got his big chance? Uh, that was a Sendai. Sendai. That was Sendai. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, they they got off bullet train on their way to Sendai and took the the, the another bullet train going back to Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, that was in Sendai. Yeah, not the Korakuen Hall. See, they they usually open big tour at Korakuen, but the, the final night is somewhere big, like a bigger building. 
Usually, yeah. and even still today, you see that pattern with promotions like New Japan and Noah and even All Japan. Uh, and Stardom, Stardom will have their big shows there. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a like a Madison Square Garden or like a it's it's where you got to go. Oh, I don't know, Dallas Sportatorium or something. I don't know. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, I'll continue with this Maeda kicking Ricky Choshu face. It was November 19th, 1987. Okay? November 19th, 1987. That happened. Very shocking night, right? Mm. Just three nights, three nights later, 1987, November 22nd, three nights later, right? All mm. Japan ran the show. The opening of tag team tournament. Stan Hansen. Terry Gordy against Bruiser Brody and Jimmy Snuka. Mm-hmm. That was just about the only time Stan Hansen and Brody match against you know, each other in Japanese ring. Mm. Only three nights later, you just saw something really shocking for New Japan show. Very same building three nights later that they had the Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy against Bruiser Brody, the, the Jimmy Snuka. Different world, huh? Completely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I was there both nights, and it's the same building. And uh, some the audience overlaps, but the New Japan audience, you know, like a loyal New Japan audience to lo- very loyal All Japan audience. And the atmosphere is different, you know, very different. Same building, no, but the ring looks different. The, the music's different. Lighting's even different. And uh, but it's same Korakuen Hall. So it was like three nights later. I was both places. Like you almost get casual because you go there so much. You sure. Know? But uh, it was it was like uh, wow, this is like the same place. You know this Maeda, the UWF style Maeda just kicked uh, Ricky Choshu's face, and it was really really strange. And three nights later, very American style, giant Baba's atmosphere. You know, that the first encounter ever for Stan Hansen against, it's a tag team match, but the Stan Hansen against Bruiser Brody. And everybody remember this whole sequence that uh, as soon as they get in the ring, you know, do the big shoulder block, shoulder block to each other. And then uh, crisscross running up, you know, both guys coming off the rope that uh, Bruiser Brody give a big giant boot that uh, stands and ducks and then comes back with his you know, lariat, Bruiser Brody ducks and the double shoulder block again. And both guys roll out the ring. It's like, <sighs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what you brought up, I mean, that and what happened with Maida and Choshu, that all happened in the same week. But that's one of the special things about Korokuen is over the years, it would become this house to all different kinds of styles of pro wrestling. And as we said, that was 87. So 89, 90 is when we started seeing more of the hardcore deathmatch promotions popping up. And we saw lots of, uh, we saw people yes. using Korokuen and in FMW. Way. FMW, also sure. used, yeah, Onita's FMW got big at the Korakan. Yeah, used Korakan as their home too, yes. And from his matches with um, uh, Aoyagi? The pro- yeah, that happened, yeah. That was, I if remember. If it wasn't for that karate guy, Aoyagi, that there's, there had never been FMW, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, there used to be people that would jump off those balconies and... Someone like Matsunaga? 
There was an issue. There's an incident with fire. Oh, because it's a fire. I mean, you're actually using flame in the in the ring. And it got out of control, and it became way too dangerous. So I think that's when they stopped. And doing also, that. you have to notify the fire department if you're using fire, right, in that right. building. Right. And I I don't think the fire, the flame itself, is not allowed in that ring. I mm -hmm. mean, not at the entire building. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I did some homework. You know, I did some homework. Which Japanese superstar actually debuted at Koraken Hall? Okay. Jumbo Tsura, after spending seven, eight months in Amarillo, Texas, and I'm sure he had about 100 matches in, in under his belt, but the official Japanese in-ring debut against Moose Morowski, okay? Uh, Jumbo debuted. In, in at the Korakuen, November, I mean, October of 73. It was a, his the very first match in Japan, Jumbo Tsura. Onita's very first, 17-year-old Atsushi Onita debuted at Korakuen too, back in 74, against Akio Sato. He was 17. 18-year-old Satoru Sayama, years before Tiger Mask, he debuted at Korakuen. Keiichi Yamada, years before Jushin Sandor Liger run, he debuted at Korakuen, 84. Kensuke Sasaki, he debuted at Korakuen, 86. Kenta Kobashi, uh, December of 87. Kenta Kobashi debuted at Korakuen Hall. It was uh, the younger guys, like a 12-man battle royal. Not a single match situation, but uh, interesting enough that the Kobashi debuted at Korakuen during the battle royal. So a lot of promising talent, you know, like a future superstars. I think that the promoter or Baba or Inoki or somebody who's running the show, they make sure that these future superstars get the first look at the Korakuen. Isn't that interesting? Mm. It's, it's almost like a rite of passage. You have to somehow make your way through there. Yeah, because you are, you know, working in front of the smartest audience ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you Edu know, educated audience, educated, but also depending on the company. In my experience, now this would be for the smaller indie companies, but some of these companies would have uh, a handful of really hardcore fans, usually uh, males, like a very loyal ones, loyal know. ones. But they've been loyal, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties, and they like to sit up in the balcony. And those mm. those guys, especially at like a, like a big Japan show, they would be really funny, but also very harsh on some of the wrestlers as well. Um, yeah, yeah, like being like a wrestling critic, huh? Yeah, or or, or yeah. being. It was like that when I was growing up too. You know, like when I was in high school, that the by general admission ticket, right? You mm -hmm. don't have seating. General admission ticket. All the all the guys are going up to this balcony just to stand and, and watch from above. Mm -hmm. They were 
like today's website guys, yeah. dressing website yeah. guys. Way back when it was a fanzine, if you know the, the you know today's mm -hmm. audience probably don't know the word fanzine. Well, you know that younger guys put together all their own magazine with your photocopies and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, they're taking their own photos from balcony. Those crowd, those audience, like a hardcore audience, but like a, they think this they're half smart, right? And, and they those audience, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I just remember them. They do that and they lay into some of the younger wrestlers, make sure that it's, they, yeah, you know, pay their dues and they tell the other wrestlers, ah, you know, like lay it in or, or hit them harder or something. I remember Daichi Hashimoto <laughs> always got a hard time from, from guys up in the balcony. I guess because nothing be handed on silver plate kind of thing, right? Yeah, and they're the gatekeepers. These guys. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like all through you know seventies and eighties, they were like a fanzine audience up in balcony, like all being like a like a wrestling critics. It's kind of like if you ever watch the Muppets, it's those two old guys that sit in the balcony. You ever watch the mm, old mm. Muppet Show? Sure. Kind of like that. Yeah. Making comments, cynical old man making comments. Yeah, but I yeah, I, I yeah. always enjoyed that too because it, it was its own special little part of the show. It never went over the top or like over the line, but it was consistent. And also, after after all, they are the most loyal audience too. Yeah, they're they at every show. Yeah, yeah, they never go away, and they're the ones spending money. You know, buying everything, watching everything. You know, so one thing. Do I, you remember? Uh, old Japan January second third tradition of every yeah I mean old old Japan running Korakuen you know back to back on right. January second third yeah that tradition started seventy six okay yeah yeah and and now that the zero one or pro wrestling nor uh, they run January 1st, the New Year's Day, right? So it's not no big deal. Not, no, well, it's a big deal, but the January 1st in Japan, you don't do anything, right? No, no it's it's a day of rest. No businesses are open. It's, it's yeah. a big I mean, holiday. Spend, I mean, like a Christmas Eve, you know, that the, you, you I mean, stay home or bored, but uh, you stay home with your family or your parents, or you just stay home January 1st, you know? But uh, the tradition uh, was broken in 1982 when New Japan had January 1st show at Korakuen Hall. Mm. That was 82. That Antonio Inoki against Roland Bach. But maybe most of the listeners out there are not familiar with Roland Bach. No, right? not unless they're from Germany. Yeah, he's like a, like a, almost like a backstreet promoter. See, when you hear about Europe in wrestling from Europe, you think about people like Otto Vance, right? Sure. This guy was a wrestler and promoter and also went to like Mexico Olympic and it's just a tough guy, but it's not a mainstream. And the Inoki uh, toured Europe under uh, the, the Roland Box promoters, you know, his running his show and Roland Bach beat Inoki in Stuttgart in West Germany, then then West Germany, that uh, he became big deal, that uh, let's invite Roland Bach over, that he's a, a mysterious wrestler who beat Inoki in Europe. 
Anyhow, they finally had single match against Inoki in Japan, January 1st, 1982. Triple feature, Inoki against Roland Bach, Fujinami, now heavyweight, against Bob Backlund, WWF title match. And guaranteed great match, Tiger Mask against Dynamite Kid. Wow. Triple fe- feature. I mean, that's a great card for, for, for that time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that was, and also Korogacha against Fujiwara hmm. exhibition. Wow. Yeah, and actually, historically, that was like the, the, one of the last, very last match Korogacha actually had. Yeah. And then what the f- almost 60-year-old Korogacha actually had perfect German suplex and beat then not so well-known Fujiwara. That tape exists somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And also, I can't forget, Stan Hansen against Young Hulk Hogan only happened when you, when you hear about the Stan Hansen against Hulk Hogan, that will go all the way to 1990s Tokyo Dome Wrestling Summit, right? Mm-hmm. But the very first Stan Hansen Hulk Hogan match happened at the Korokan, non televised. Interesting, huh? There's a lot of uh, matches that happened either non-televised or they were taped but the channels uh that own it never released it or only played it once right right a lot so of hidden matches it was hulk hogan's very first tour to japan it was like uh, Ma- uh may of 1981 hulk hogan is becoming more of a star with the experience with japan you know like a series of japan tour and just getting to become main event guy and he was basically under stan hansen's wing it was Stan Hansen, Hulk Hogan was tag team partner for a while. And Stan Hansen against Hulk Hogan happened at Korakan Hall. That uh, Stan Hansen won, count out. Didn't even pin him. Taken care, huh? I mean, being taken care. Korakan was where the big. Yeah, either... I guess they tested it. You know, right, like you, have right. to do it in, you have to do this in front of the uh, actual audience. And Korokan should be like a perfect place to how people react to certain things. Because, like you were talking about, they're the most educated of the wrestling fans in the area. I mean, you can't do, you can't test the same big ideas out in Gifu or something, unfortunately. Oh, right, right, right. I right, mean, right. not a knock to the Way city, out in the but. Way with no information or no serious fans. Or, yeah. And, oh, and there the... are serious fans everywhere. But the, at the Korokan, you'd be watched by eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where all the journalists were, and that's where all the photographers were. Right, right, yeah, photographers were, and journalists were, yes, yeah. But the TV well, stations the were ones, there? Right, yeah, TV people, and the ones who's not writing the match, they're still there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Stan Hansen, Hulk Hogan, single match, non-televised match, happened at the Korokan. Mm-hmm. And bootleg tape actually exists of that match. I bet. The, the, more and more videos pop up. Uh, as years go on, when there's you know YouTube, Daily Motion, there, there's yeah, they're there. But this this Hulk Hogan Stan Hansen first match ever at the 1981 situation was handheld by somebody. Mm-hmm. Right, you know what I'm yeah, saying? from yeah. like a tape from the audience, somebody really like taped a camcorder, it, you know? yeah, yeah, like your your home home video type. But now it's on YouTube somewhere. It's not weird. I mean, it's been 40 years, and uh, you can still watch this match, and it's actually, like, very interesting how they do things with each other, you know? I mean, like, testing things 
and Hulk Hogan was like a working babyface type, and Stan being total heel, and the psychology was there, you know. So they must have they have been testing things, you know. Yeah. So that that I need to you know I needed to bring that up. Mm. There's so many things, so many matches, important matches, you know, that the second version of UWF, you know, reincarnation of UWF style, Akira Maeda against uh, the Kazuo Yamazaki, and both guys in, in the prime, they had their first UWF match over, you know, at the Korakuen. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple of years before that, like in December of 84, Korakuen show the first version of UWF, Non-televised but videotaped, that the super tiger, then super tiger, that Satoru Sayama was no longer tiger mask, but he had a purple tiger, you know, mask, and he his name was Super Tiger. Mm-hmm. He, him and Fujiwara tried the shoot style match at the Korakuen for the first time that night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got stop bouncing off the rope anymore. No more drop kicks. No more good-looking suplex. You wrestle, submission, kicks, and the convincing suplex, but not the pin, but to go into the submission hold, and then, and then, you know, then, then you escape to the rope. Then people start clapping, you know, because they didn't give up. And just they tried the new style that night. It was December of '84. A Super Tiger Satoru Sayama and Fujiwara did like a, like a almost like a big experiment. They had to do it at the Korakuen Hall. It was the it was the experimental. It was where you would experiment. It was where you would have your biggest, most important matches. It was the sacred ground. It was a a laboratory. Um, and we got to mention also that I think some of that special age of all Japan women came to Korakuen. Oh, well. oh, and like every other week. Again, uh, I mean, Sunday noon show, it was packed. And also, during the Crash Girl, you know, Crash Girls era, that uh, Chigusa Nagayo and, and Laone Sasuka, that was completely different crowd. The teenage girls, sure. you know. Yeah, it was always, always, always packed. Yeah. 82 on to 88-ish. Yeah. 83, 84, 85, 86. On to like 88. Yeah. They had this Crash Girls boom period. And the Korakuen Hall was a place, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Same building, but completely different crowd, but still packed, you know? And still, maybe some of the more or most important matches or or times of that era for the company. Um, Yeah. Oh, 1990 shoot boxing, kickboxing fight between Medusa and Aja Kong. That was at the Korakuen, too. And yeah. and you when you say shoot, I think of you know a couple of years later they'd have Pancrase shows there. They'd have more UWF UWFI shows. Sure, sure. And also uh, at the Korakin, it's like you are sitting in a, almost like a ringside seat from everywhere. There's no I mean, bad close seat. enough. There's no there, bad there's seat no court. no no bad seat at the Korakin. Right. Even if you're up in the balcony, it's I mean oh, it's very close. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one before we finish, I wanted to talk about one thing that I think it's so special about not just the scene in Japan, but Korokun in general. And when you're at a wrestling show and you're watching a big time match and as it builds and builds, something special about Korokun is when everyone in the venue begins stomping. They start stomping 
<laughs> yeah. And that's something bada, 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 bada. it's yeah. something that you can't it's really difficult for it to come across on television no matter what the tech is um it, and you can feel it though you feel and it also, in your during body the, yeah during the pandemic no loud cheering or anything like that you're clapping and stumping right yeah but yeah, we do that still but the stomping i think if you do get a chance to ever go to korakan hall that's what you should uh Get, yeah, get involved because, and uh, <laughs> be it, a part of it. And it's a really different feeling. It's a really special kind of intense feeling because that place rocks. That place really starts to shake if the match is good and people are oh, into okay. it. People are really slamming their feet on the concrete and the wood. And I just have memories where you feel the whole venue vibrating through your body because of the stomp. You do feel that you're part of the show too, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's so. It's also so different from, I guess, shows in the states these days, where there's a lot of crowd interaction, but also like uh, playing with certain sections of the crowd. There's a lot of like, there's a disconnected feeling throughout some shows in wrestling uh, today. But in Japan, uh, there's always the fans, especially at the Korokin, yeah, yeah, especially at the Korokin Hall because it's so. Because of how it's set up, your eyes, you can't escape what's going yeah, on in the really ring. It's really close. Yeah, yeah. Now and, that we talked about the, the... Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. even if you go out to the front hall to buy merchandise, go to the bathroom, you hear everything that's going on. It, <laughs> right, it's, right. And That's like how, how Hana Kimura grew up, right? Right. Yeah, that, I mean, we should talk the about that too. The the uh, yeah, that front hallway. To the sound. Like a, he could, you know, she could tell. Like, well, match will be over in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. The crowd reacts a certain way. That sound you get. Yeah, used to. oh, that sounds like a babyface comeback. Oh, sounds like a, you know that the heel heat or yeah. And uh, you could probably hear a false finish number one, false finish number two <laughs> from the distance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, it's like we talked about all Japan, Nippon Pro Wrestling, all Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, UWF style companies, FMW, and all Japan women and other women's wrestling. But now it's actually, you see, we have like over 100 wrestling companies just out of Tokyo, right? Mm. For smaller independent, Korakuen is your big, big, huge event. That only happens like once a year, you know, mm -hmm. for smaller companies, you know, because it's like a, it's a privilege and, and it's a really like an honor to run your you know, show at the Korakuen. It only happens once a year or so, you know, for a smaller independent company. So that's their, your Budokan show kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Like we said, there's like 180 shows at Korakuen, wrestling shows at Korakuen every year, you know, then uh, it, so now that the New Japan runs Korakuen like 50 times a year, you know, usually like two days back to back, sometimes three days back to back. And today's New Japan Pro Wrestling don't run any, like being an angle or anything like that at the Korakuen. It has to be a bigger place, you know. Mm -hmm. But for a smaller company, that's your, your like, yeah, a premier big decalage, you know, like a big show. That's Korakuen. And the feeling is still there. Yeah. Of course, yeah, it feels special. Yeah, but then, <clears throat> yeah, New Japan is becoming more and more like a WWE-ish that they don't bring a whole lot to your Korakuen show. You know, it's your house shows. 
you know, seriously, today's New Japan, you know, when you go to New Japan show at Korakuen, they'll give you like a showcasing, you know, all the talent, like six man tag team, eight man tag team, six man tag team, eight man tag team, six man tag team, six man tag team. And then you have, you know, 50 guys working the show, but it's all six man tag team and eight man tag team. And it's still show ends right at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's a different feeling. Visual. Yeah, another day. Yeah. Another day. <clears throat> yeah, another day. But for the but the, the special feeling about Korakuen for this wrestling industry and wrestling community and the whole wrestling fans, that the feeling for Korakuen is still there. Yes. Hmm. It always will be. I mean, that's there's no place that's like it. I I mean. Yeah, it's getting older. Like we said, you know, it, it opened back in 1962, and they earlier this year they had 60th year anniversary show, and both New Japan and All Japan sending guys, you know, for that uh, inner promotion show, and all the different company worked the show, and uh, because Korakim Hall is such a special place. Hmm. Yeah. Go there if you ever can, I, I suppose. That's my advice. Yeah, when you go to Japan, you have to go to Korakuen Hall. Mm. Yeah. Even if there's you not a show, Japan. I mean, you can just go right up and check it out. Yeah, I think so. I think mm. so, yeah. I just just take a picture in front of the wall or something. Oh, and then the graffiti on the, st- in the stairs. Ah, right, right. All the uh, yeah, yeah. past wrestlers and fans and yeah, everything. Or the, or the, the graffiti, graffiti. You know, people write yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. And they don't erase it because it's like art, right? There's Almost. stuff that's been there for years, years, years. And it's still there, you know. And then just talk about, you know, different era. And uh, sometimes bad, sometimes good, because it's kind of like your internet bad mouthing kind of thread sometimes. Sure. You know? So it's inter- interesting to read all those, you know, old graffiti. But they don't erase it for some reason. Because it's historical, huh? Piece of history. So, yeah. So, if you don't take elevators, make sure you walk. You know, just walk through this big stairs all the way to fifth floor. Read all. You know that the the, the graffiti is on the wall. That's also part of the show, almost. Yeah. And I mean, you're gonna. There's a good chance you'll get stuck in that area too, because (laughs) that uh, that. Staircase and front hallway, depending on the company and when you get there, it can be packed like you're on a, a subway. I mean, you can't really move. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's flow. dangerous during the pandemic. Mm. Yeah, but I usually take stairs. Yeah. yeah. The stairs are fine. It takes you right out to where that bridge that we talked about mm-hmm. is. and Easy yeah. to get around. Easy to get around. Yeah. yeah. And... uh it's a Korakuen Hall. Now that, that they have TGIF on the floor, you know, uh, on, on the first floor, but I always remember Korakuen Movie Theater and uh, the second floor, big Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, the right in front of the elevator, Teenage Ultimo Dragon was doing all the flips and dives, and you know, in, you know, before he was a wrestler, you know, to showing off to other kids what he can do. That was Teenage Ultimo Dragon doing it. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's it's like where you go to get discovered, I guess. You got to go to Corquin. It's like the Hollywood letters. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So yeah. If you want to so make lots, it. Lots of memories, yeah. Lots of memories for me, too. Hmm. I think everyone yeah, has then, a very distinct history with their own experiences at 
Korakuen Hall. And you do remember that that was my first match, first card, of first course. show at the, at the Korakuen Hall. Mm -hmm. I was 17 or I was 15 or, you know, and uh, when I came to Tokyo for college, I was finally able to go to Korakuen Hall. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Wrestling friendly uh, city, Suidobashi. Suidobashi, yeah. Yeah. So uh, hope that we uh, we gave our listeners pretty good pretty good idea of what Korakuen Hall is and its history and what it means to wrestling fans and the wrestling industry itself. I hope so. I guess if anybody yeah. has a plan to go there this winter and you still have questions after this show or or any anything related to Korakuen Hall, where can Yeah, it's it's great to go to Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome, but the Korakuen Hall is still right next door. Mhm. Mm and if you're there while yeah, while New Japan's taking you know, having Wrestle Kingdom, Pro Wrestling Noah will be having Korakuen show too, right at the same time. All Japan will probably run a show. Um, it'll the, be busy. Yeah, the next morning. Yeah, very much so. Oh, all through end of December into January, because yeah, there's some shows or two shows sometimes every mm. day at the Korakuen. That's right. Same as uh, during Golden Week, too, in the springtime, the Korakuen right, right, right. filled with shows. Oh, yeah, every night, every night. Some wrestling. Yeah. Mm. So we have questions or we want to talk to you about it. Where can we reach you online, Fumi-san? On Twitter at Fumihiko Dayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, Fumihiko Dayo, or just Fumi Saito on Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K N I P P E R. And that is it for now. That's Cork and Hall. Until next time, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo. 